Center, amen, who is glad to be in the house of the Lord with us today. Praise God. It is going to be a fantastic service. Uh, we are super excited. Uh, it is baptism day, and so we are baptizing a whole bunch of people this morning, and then tonight at the 6 p.m. service, we're also doing even more baptism. So it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful day. Uh, it's going to be a full house this morning, so try to squeeze into the main sanctuary if you can, and uh, the ushers will set up some more chairs if they need to, okay? Let's go ahead and stand up this morning, and we are going to open up the service by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. Amen. We do this every service because we love our nation and we want our nation uh, to turn to Jesus. So let's speak this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise today. Hallelujah. All right, well, we're going to take a few minutes, just like we always do, to do a little meet and greet time. So go find somebody, give them a high five, handshake, fist bump, a great big hug. Just make sure everybody gets some love this morning. Let's go.
about baptisms yeah, come on. I'm so excited about baptisms it's my favorite I think Billy was the other one who was almost as excited as I am about baptisms there she is. Woo-hoo. <laughs> we're really really excited about your new life and some of you have lived this life I, I don't know if the Mumfords like to be on blast but I'm really excited about you getting baptized today Mumfords yeah. Yeah. it's really cool really really cool Okay, so a couple of things coming up and going on. First, we ask you not to sit in the coffee bar unless you have a, like, physical reason to be there. You know, if you have babies that are having to, what? Need assistance. Need assistance or, you you know, you got some babies in there. Um, And also, moms, uh, there is a nursing mother's room and nursing mother slash loud baby's room if you feel embarrassed yeah we've had lots of them don't feel embarrassed it's fine um also men's meeting is coming up this coming saturday Saturday. let's go yes lots of you men are going to raymond's house on saturday nights at 6 30 for those lift groups and then we have men's at 9 a.m this saturday and it says on here to tell you contain the excitement but there is a church work day coming church work day yeah (laughs) thomas is very excited about pulling weeds it's gonna be great so we use church work days to all get together like family spring cleaning so you're going to come with some of your tools and you're gonna 
help together to fix God's house. Yes. So things like putting up new changing tables and cleaning up weeds and stuff like that. So it's going to be March 9th. It's going to be so much fun. March 9th, oh, 8 to noon. I can't wait. And there's usually food. Okay. Usually as in probably because that's what we do. Yeah, so plan to be here March 9th. Yes, bring your kids, okay? We'll find a job for them, but it's important that we work as a family to work on God's house together so they know that the value of it is serving the Lord. Also, the following Sunday-ish is not the 10th, but the next Sunday is Gerald Brooks coming. And if you didn't hear about Gerald Brooks... Um, he is a mentor of ours and pastor in Miss P's. He is very, very special and dear to our hearts, and he will have something for you that morning. He'll only be with us at the 10 a.m. service, so make a point to be here that Sunday morning. And then Easter is coming. Yes. Resurrection awesome. Sunday. Yeah. That's the whole reason that we're believers. It's a really big deal. Amen. So make sure you make it Easter Sunday, invite all your friends, and... We have almost 4,000 eggs. It yeah. happened in two All weeks. Right. It's really tremendous. I love you. Thank you for doing that. Now we need candy. So I need 1,000 eggs, which comparatively, someone bought 2,000 on Amazon in one whole box and just dropped off the box. Yes. <laughs> I didn't know you could do that, but yay, you that's really that. cool. <laughs> um, and then we need candy to put in them. So we have lots of eggs at this point. We need 1,000 more eggs and lots and lots and lots of candy. Yes. Yes. So bring it in. Um, tonight, a couple announcements about tonight. There is um, Easter play practice from 5 to 5.30. It's kind of our first practice. So if you are going to be a part of that production, please meet us here in this building at 5 o'clock. And then, of course, FPU, Financial Peace University, will be in Victory Hall tonight at 5.30. And there is child care for that. Parents, if you have a first through a fifth grader, all those youngins are going to get to come be a part of baptisms and watch baptisms with us. So they're going to fill up this whole front area here. That's where you're going to come pick them up from. The teachers are not going to let them run to you. So bring your sticker and meet them over here at the end of service, okay? So if you have a first through fifth grader, you're going to meet them over here at the end of service. Last but not least, the March devotionals are out. Come on, yeah. You have no excuse for not actually reading your Bible. So don't forget to stop by the info booth and snatch a March devotional as well. And one more thing you can snatch at the info booth. Ushers, can you grab me a couple of blessing bags? There are these white bags that are from Midtown. Yes. Oh, th- well, if we're bringing them up, hey, let's, let's just bring them up. Okay, so blessing bags are filled with food, and they are from the Enriched Food Pantry in town. And the idea is that when you go out to lunch today, that you... Oh, don't leave, Colin. You look great. I mean, you look get great. Us. Let's just do it. Let's go. We're just going to do it. Are you modeling the bags? <laughs> yeah. Yes, very nice. So they're from the Enriched Food Pantry. They're full of food. And when you go out to lunch today, the idea is that you find someone that you could bless and you bless them with this bag and you pray over the bag before you give it to them. And then you pray with them if you can. So anybody want a blessing bag? Oh, there they go. Great. Okay, here they go. I've got four today. Okay. I'm sorry. First come, first serve. Okay, Leanne. (laughs) Lesson learned. Miss Leanne Johnson, can you wave at everyone? Sure. This is our...
precious, precious Leanne Johnson, who runs Enriched Food Pantry in town. Yes, she's amazing. Amazing. So any food donations for Enriched, you can stop by the info booth and drop them off. But there's usually blessing bags there so you can go out into the community on Sundays and bless people as well. So he gave out two. Are there two more back there? They're gone. They're gone. All right, very good. Okay. <laughs> We'll, well do more next time. Yes. It, yeah. So if you're if you're interested in getting a blessing bag or being a part of Enriched Food Pantry, stop Leah before she leaves today. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, uh, we want to welcome anybody today that is with us for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time. Could you slip your hand up real quick? Our welcome team has a gift for you. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Just raise your hand up real quick. Uh, this is our welcome team. They have a welcome packet, and there is a visitor card in there. If you would fill that card out and turn it in at the end of the service, they have a gift for you. And, uh, and you know, just to make it a little sweeter, there is a Dutch Brothers gift card in there. So, uh, you know, this tends to help more people be motivated to turn in their visitor cards. So, yeah. All right. Anyway, but turn that in at the end of the service, your visitor card, and they will, uh, they've got a gift for you and some information about the church. So let's hear it for everybody that is with us today. Amen. All right. Well, uh, who knows what time it is now? Yeah, it's happy time. And you're like, well, what's happy time? Well, the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. And so we just decided that we'd get real cheerful whenever we have the chance to give. If you need an envelope this morning, raise your hand. The ushers will get one to you. And if you're going to give online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving. Good job, Pastor Dave. Good job. Hallelujah. All right, open up your Bibles, Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17 and 18. I'll give you a chance to get there so you can see it your own eyes. How many just love to be broke? Man, just barely making it. Worried about if you're going to have enough money for lunch or for gas next week or to pay your light bill. That's not the way God wants you to live. I want to look at this Deuteronomy chapter 8. And what this is, is Moses talked to the children of Israel. They'd been, they'd been in slavery for 400 years in Egypt. They were coming out. God had set them free. Now they're coming into the promised land. And I equate that to the promises of God in the Bible. We've got a lot of promises. That's our promised land. If God promised it to us, then we've got to get it by faith just like they did. But when you were born again, you come out of slavery to Satan and sin. And you didn't just come out not to go in. You've got to go in. But you got to know where you're going. And so how many know that the Bible is the will of God? Amen. Under the Old Testament, uh, the covenant is with the Jewish people. But under the New Testament, it's with everybody that will receive Jesus. And New Testament tells us that we are Jews in the Spirit because we're God's chosen people now. But we got to choose. we got to choose to follow Him and do what He says. But I want to look at these verses right here, just verse 17 and 18. And this is Moses under instructions of God, tell God's people what the plan of God is. How many want to follow the plan of God for your life? Amen. Okay, so he's telling them, after being slaves and then walking around the wilderness for those 70 years, he said, and thou say, and, and, and don't say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. And so God's saying, don't give yourself credit for all the horrible things that you've been through, that you came through, that you got yourself out because of your great education, because of who your family was, 
or because of how smart you think you are in business matters. God said, don't say that in your heart, but he said, but thou shalt remember, thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. God's the one that wants his people to get wealth. And I got a definition I heard years ago. I wrote my Bible with this verse that I always look at because it tells what wealth is to God. Wealth is abundance of valuable material possessions or resources, influence, abundant supply. God wants you to have more than enough. Can I, can I tell you how the devil has deceived Christians for years? I remember back in Martinsville where our church was before we came to California. We had some new houses they were building. They were building a great big mansion, a huge place up on the hill that for the main highway. You can always look up and see his house. And I remember I looked over at Mrs. Pastor one day. We looked up that. And I said, I bet that's a house for some rich doctor, some rich lawyer. And in my heart, I, I heard God say this. Why couldn't it be the house of a rich preacher or a rich believer? God said it's his will for us to have wealth. And I'm not talking about being millionaires, billionaires, and things like that. I'm talking about having more than enough, more than enough to take care of your family, more than enough. If you see needs out there, you say, well, I'm going to help with that. I got more than enough to do that. Abundance of whatever you need. God said, I give you the power to get wealth. God's the one that gave you the breath you're breathing right now. I don't know about you, but in my own life, I know there's many times I could have died of things and God kept me alive. If he hadn't kept me alive, I couldn't have a nice house I live in now. I couldn't have a nice car because I wouldn't be here. And so the thing is, don't ever take for granted that you're who you are because of who you are. You're who you are because God's hands on you. But there's a key word here you've got to see. Thou shalt remember the Lord your God. He's the one that gives you a bill to get the wealth, but thou shalt remember. How many here have a house payment or a rent payment? This is not a setup. Just raise your hand. How many here have a car payment? Or payment on something else that's important to you. And you made a deal that you would pay that on the first of the month, or the fifteenth, the thirtieth, whatever your day is. And so I, I know myself, I mark I mark things on a calendar. A lot of people have the computer programs now, so they remember to make that payment because they don't want to lose their house. They don't want to lose their car. They don't want to lose whatever it is. And so you remember. God said, You remember me. How do you remember God? He gives you the power to get wealth. And one thing, the number one thing that God's coming for believers when it comes to finances, God said, the tithe is holy. It belongs to me. God said, 10% comes to me. And if you give me 10%, you'll have 90% left, but it'll have my left over, but it'll have my blessing on it. I would rather have 90% blessed than 100% that's not blessed. Amen. Amen. And so anyway, I just want to exhort you today that especially in these last days where we live at now, God wants you to know you didn't get to where you are financially by chance, but by choice. Amen. Following him, do what he wants. So remember the Lord your God. He gives you the power. He gives you the power to prosper, to gain in life. But he says one thing. He said, just remember me when you get it. Give me 10%. Amen, amen. Well, stand up. That was a good time to clap, by the way. I mean, you know.
You got, you got to get a hold of this. And you know something I, that I learned years ago? I've been pastoring for a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of years. And something I learned a long time ago, that Christians that get a hold in their heart have become doers of the word about tithing. They're excited when you hear something like this. They get really excited because sometimes it looks like nothing's happening, but they just stand on the word of God. Lord, I want to thank you. I'm a faithful tither and you're prospering my family. I want to thank you. Thanks. Take care of But Christians that are in conviction get offended. So when you're under conviction concerning spiritual things, just read the Bible for yourself and pray and let God make things real to your heart. And instead of getting offended about the Word of God, you only get excited and say, wow, that's for me. God's talking to me. Amen? Amen. Well, let's make our financial faith confession, and then we'll bring our tithes and offerings up to the altar and worship Him with them. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs, so I have more than enough to prepare a family to give gifts in the kingdom of God. Promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, let's get ready to praise the Lord on today. We're going to learn a new song. This is how we praise Him. This is what brought the walls of Jericho down. Is singing praises to the Lord. So let's do this today. Here we go. Sing it with us. I'll praise.
Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so today, Lord, we willingly choose to submit to you. We willingly choose to surrender and confess that you are Lord. We love you and we praise you so much. We ask that you would have your way in this service today. Lord, you know what each person here is facing. You know what each person here is dealing with. And I thank you that your word will set us free. And so speak to each one of us today. We love you and we praise you. Have your way in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give him some praise today. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. You may be seated. Give someone a high five on your way over there. Tell them you are glad that they're in church today. Amen. Yeah. Oh, a great day to be in the house of the Lord together. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to get into the word of God together this morning. Amen. Who loves studying the Bible together, man? Who loves getting into God's Word? Absolutely. Well, today we are going to be on part eight of our 2024 uh, series that we've been looking at called The Harvest is Great. If you need an outline for the message, raise your hand and the ushers will get one over to you. You can kind of follow along there and, and fill in some of the main points. But we've been talking all year so far and we're already at the end of February. Who can believe that? That we have almost knocked out two months of this year. And so we're moving right along. But we've been talking about Luke 10 and verse 2. That's our theme verse for this year. Luke 10 and verse 2. And a lot of you know it already, but it says, the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. And so what does this represent when he says the harvest is great? Well, he's talking about people. This means that there is no shortage of hurting and broken and lost people that need to know Jesus. And and if you were to, you know, just scan society at 2024, I can tell you, you don't have to look very far to find somebody that is hurting and broken and in need of Jesus. Has anybody else seen that yet? And there's lots of people searching for answers. There's lots of people trying to make sense of everything. And we know this much that you're not going to find any answers. You're not going to make sense of anything outside of Jesus Christ. Has anybody found that out yet in their life that the only answer is Jesus? And so what do we have? We got a lot of blind people spiritually looking to other spiritually blind people for answers. And Jesus said something. He said, when the blind lead the blind, they both end up in the ditch. You can't help nobody if you don't already have the help yourself. 
And so that's the good news for us. If you've received Jesus, if you are living for him, you have answers that people need in their life. And, and, and you have received healing that other people need. And the good news is, is that you are called to take it to them. And so today, as I was, well, as I was praying this week about, Lord, what do we, what do we need to discuss on Sunday? The Lord led me to the story called the prodigal son. Has anybody ever heard of this story out of scripture called the prodigal son? And I'd like to kind of read this today. And we're going to break it down into a few things because we know this that when we're talking about bringing in the harvest oftentimes you know uh, we reach people that have just never received Jesus and that's an incredible thing we do that a lot around here but then we also know that when we're talking about bringing in the harvest a whole lot of the time that includes bringing sheep that were once with the Lord but wandered off we're bringing them back home and we're bringing the lost back home. And that's what the story of the prodigal son is all about. So let's look in our Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 15. Let's go somebody. Luke 15. And you know, this story, uh, I mean, there's not a lot of things that can bring a tear to my eye, but I'll tell you what, this story can just about get a tear to my eye. Sometimes it does. And it's a beautiful story, but it's Luke chapter 15, and it starts here at verse 11. And, uh, and I want you to see this. This is a story. It's directly from Jesus. So Luke chapter 15, and we're going to look here at verses 11 through 24. We're going to read the whole, uh, the, most of the story right here, then we're going to break it down. So here we go. Luke 15, starting at verse 11. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, hey, I want my share of your estate now before, you're, before you die. So his father said, you little brat, why don't you just wait? No, he didn't say that. I mean, he could have. He could have said that, but he didn't. The father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money on wild living. This story is just not going to any good place right now. He didn't, take, he didn't waste any time at all. Literally, he takes his entire inheritance, moves to some crazy wild city, and just starts partying and wasting all the money. Verse 14, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. So here we've got a kid that came from a pretty good background, I would say. He's received quite an inheritance, and in no time at all, he has reached the bottom rung of the ladder. Because if Jesus is talking to Jewish people here, I can tell you this, there is nothing lower to them than the pigs. And this kid is now feeding the pigs, but it gets worse. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding, the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. So here he is, lower than a pig. Verse 17, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. 
So I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Can you imagine this? He's at this, he's such, such a low point. He's like, I'm, I, I, I've blown it. I'm not even going to try to be a member of the family anymore. I'm just looking for a job at this point. And so his whole idea is that he'll go home and say, Dad, listen, I don't expect you to accept me as a son anymore. That ship has sailed. I've blown it. I get it. I'm not looking for any, you know, handouts here. Just could I have a job? Could you just take me on as, you know, a part-timer? Could you take me on as a, as a laborer or something? And that's what he's looking for. Look at verse 20. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf that we've been fattening. We're going to celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. I love this story. And there's just so many things that we can draw out of this. But this young man, he was expecting to return home in shame and in embarrassment and to be cut off from the family. And listen, he didn't even have to knock on the door. The dad was standing right there the entire time waiting and expecting his son to return home. Isn't that just like God? You think, okay, man, once I finally get it together, then I'll go to church. If I can finally just get my life how it needs to be, then I'll show up and go home to dad. And dad's saying, no, 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 don't do that. Just come to me with your brokenness and with your mess, and we'll clean it all up once you get here. Amen. This is an ultimate story of love and forgiveness. And this is how God the Father treats every single one of us. And so what we're going to do today is we're just going to break down a few points very briefly from this story. And these are lessons that we can learn from the prodigal son, because I know at least all of us at one point or another have kind of been that prodigal son or daughter. We've kind of been the sheep that has wandered off from the flock, but thank God that Jesus believes in second chances. Even if you don't, even if you aren't kind enough to give somebody else a second chance, Jesus will give you a second chance. Amen? And so we're going to look at a few things here out of this story. Number one, lessons from the prodigal son, this world cannot fulfill you. This world cannot fulfill you. There is a desire, there is an empty 
peace to the puzzle of your heart that cannot be found in this world. It can only be found in heaven with God the Father, with Jesus the Son. And so in this story, we have a kid who was seemingly raised in a pretty good home, I would say. And in fact, his brother never wandered off. His brother stayed there and did what he was supposed to do the whole time. And so this younger son was looking for fulfillment and purpose in life. And everybody on planet Earth, whether they'll admit it or not, is looking for fulfillment. And they're looking for purpose in their life. But this kid, he just happened to go looking in all the wrong places. And so how many of us in here today, uh, we went looking for answers and fulfillment in this world. And we discovered they don't have it. Has anybody in here and you said, hey, I'm looking for some answers. I'm like, there's got to be some sort of reason I was born into this planet. And you went looking and you found out that this world does not have the answers that we've been looking for. Now, the primary thing that every human being is looking for, whether they'll admit it or not, we're all looking for peace. On the inside. And I know some people try to be tough and like, yeah, I don't need that, man. <laughs> you know, yes, you do. You're desperate for it. You are so miserable that you try to act tough on the outside, but on the inside, you're a broken mess. Did he just say that? I said that. Yeah. Why? Because you need to hear it, man. Listen to me. You need peace on the inside and money hasn't given it to you entertainment hasn't given it to you finding the right one hasn't given it to you why because that's not where you find peace i want to show you something jesus said we're going to be spending a lot of time in the book of luke so you can kind of hold your place but look at john chapter 14 and verse 27 john chapter 14 and verse 27 you picked a great day to be at church today do you know that amen can I give a quick shout out to our newest married couple in the church? Look right over here, Mario and April. Come on. They just got married like, I mean, six, 16 hours ago. I don't know. And uh, they're newlyweds, but we're so proud of them. We love them. Amen. And can you imagine they went to church the day after their wedding? They're going to make it. I see good things in their future. <laughs> They no doubt Jesus is the foundation of that marriage, all right? It was a beautiful wedding. But John chapter 14, and we're going to look at verse 27. John 14 and verse 27, Jesus said this, I am leaving you with a gift. Oh, good. Jesus is leaving me with a gift. Is it a bunch of money? Is it a new car? Is it a bigger truck than my neighbor has? No, no. Here's the gift that he's choosing to leave you. Peace of mind and heart and the peace i give is a gift the world cannot give so don't be troubled or afraid isn't that beautiful that jesus said i'm going to leave you with a gift but notice he says something specific about his peace he says it's a gift the world can not give you if you've been looking for peace in this world, I'm telling you now, quit. They don't have it to give to you. 
You're ordering something off of the menu that doesn't exist with them. You pulled up to the Burger King drive-thru and you tried to order a Big Mac and they're saying, we don't even serve that. What are you doing? We, you're, we're, what, we can't, we'd give it to you if we could, but we don't even have that here. And that's what so many people are doing. They're trying to get peace from somebody or somebodies that don't have it. And so quit looking around. The answer is in Jesus. And people are desperate for peace. I read an interesting story this week. Um, it was about uh, uh, the Winchester Mansion in San Jose. And this, this is a massive 24,000 square foot home. You know, it's a nice little shack that they built. They threw it together. And the, uh, the wife of uh, the man that, that started the Winchester Rifles, uh, she built this mansion. And this was a woman, I think her name was Sarah Winchester. She was searching for peace for all of her life. And so she starts building this home in San Jose and keeps adding on to it and adding on to it and adding on to it. For 38 years, the home was under constant construction. And I think she ended up with, there's over 10,000 windows in the mansion. There's doorways and stairs that just lead to blank walls. There's 160 rooms in total. And in the end, in our modern day money, she died in 1922, but in our modern day money, she would have spent $70 million on basically pointless renovations that never really did anything. And so she had this strange belief that she was going to be haunted by the ghost of the people who had been killed by the uh, weapons that her husband had made. And so she just thought that she would find peace if she could keep building the house bigger and bigger and adding on. And she never found that peace and she died and the house was still under construction. And so what am I saying? I'm saying that there's people so desperate, even really rich people, okay, that would love to have the peace that you have right now sitting in this room. They would love to have what you have. And people are willing to spend money and do some really crazy things to try to get it. They'll try to buy peace. And Jesus said, hey, no, I'm leaving you with a gift. Well, what's a gift? If I had to pay for it, it wasn't a gift. I bought it off of you, right? And so the peace that Jesus gives, you can't purchase it anyway because he says, I want to give this to you. Peace for your mind, peace for your heart, and you can't find it in this world. They don't have it. Receive my peace. And so in this story of the prodigal son, we know that he found out this world cannot fulfill you. The answer is not there. Number two, we learned that there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. There's a difference between conviction and condemnation. And you're like, well, what do these words mean? Well, I'm, I'm just going to break this down, all right? In this story, the young man, the younger brother, the prodigal son, he felt convicted and ashamed about what he had done. Now, should he have felt wrong about what he did? The answer is yes, of course, he should have felt wrong about that. It's a good thing that he felt some sense of remorse and some sense of conviction. If you have no remorse and no conviction, you'll never repent and come back to Jesus. 
If you don't realize you did something wrong, why would you repent and even come to Jesus? You have to come to a place where you realize, okay, I have not been living right. I have not been doing this the right way. You have to come to this place before you will ever realize your need for a Savior. And so every one of us that has come to a true place of repentance in our lives has realized that, you know what, I need a Savior because I can't save myself as hard as I try to. But listen, conviction is when you know in your heart you are wrong and you need to change. If you've ever received Jesus, you've experienced conviction because you've known in your heart that you're wrong and you need to change. And that's a really, really good thing. It's God speaking to you to save you from trouble. In fact, in John 16, 8, it tells us that the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. And some people don't ever want to feel conviction. And, and I get that. I don't want to feel convicted. But if I'm wrong and my car is headed for the edge of the cliff, would you do me a favor and tell me? All right. It may offend me. It may rub me the wrong way. But for the love of God, if I'm killing myself, would you help me save my life? All right. And, and some people, I get it. You may not want to hear it, but the Holy Spirit, when we're headed the wrong direction, he won't physically force you to stop and put the brakes on, but he will convict you. He will speak to your heart and say, man, no, 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 stop, stop. Don't go any further. Pump the brakes. You better quit. You're headed for trouble. That's the Holy Spirit trying to get a hold of our hearts. And so it says that in John 16, 8. But let me tell you, there's conviction, which is of God. And then there's condemnation, which is from Satan. Conviction helps you turn around and save your life. Condemnation is meant to make you feel hopeless and helpless and to drive a wedge between you and God. Condemnation tries to make you feel so ashamed that you won't come home to the Father. Conviction helps you change your ways condemnation says uh, it's hopeless i'm just i might as well just go out and and, re, and you'll really do this thing if i'm going to do it jesus said in john 3:17 that he did not come to condemn the world but to save the world does anybody know that today you know, and you know, so if you're feeling condemned and hopeless and there's just no use in even trying to come to the Lord, that's not God talking to you. That's the devil talking to you, trying to get you further and further away from God. And so let's look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. We'll be coming back to Luke, but Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. So check this out. A convicted Christian runs to God and a condemned person runs from God. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference? Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. Romans 8 and verse 1. And so this is something that we have to get a hold of in here. Romans 8 and verse 1. It says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Let me ask you today, do you belong to Christ Jesus in here? Amen. You've received it? Yeah. You should be proud of that. You should be, you should be very proud of that, that you belong to Christ Jesus. So there's no condemnation 
for you. There could be conviction in your heart. The Holy Spirit saying, hey, come on, man, let's let's fix this. Let's let, let's 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 change this. All right. There's conviction, but there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Now, religious people, we talk about this sometimes. Someone will, you know, I've had people say, yeah, you're a real religious person, aren't you there, Reverend? And I'm like, no. <laughs> I don't see myself as a religious person because religious people are never ending trying to work their way to heaven and earn a spot up there with the man upstairs. You know what I mean? No, that I'm not into that. I'm not a religious man, but I have a relationship with my heavenly Father. Amen. Yeah. So you see, religions all over this world, they're trying to cut themselves and walk on hot coals and sacrifice their bodies for their God. And our God sent his son down into this earth, and he took the sacrifice for us. Amen? He paid the price for our sins. That should have been me dying, but Jesus came and did it for us. And so a really great uh, definition, a way to look at it is this. I want you to put this picture on the screen. I saw this on the internet and I love this. Religion says, I messed up. My dad's going to kill me. The gospel says, I messed up. I need to call my dad. You see that? Amen. This is the difference between conviction and condemnation. When I feel convicted in my heart that I've been going wrong, I know as a son of God, I got to talk to my dad about this right now. He's the only one that could talk me through this. And then religion says, oh, he's going to be mad at you. Oh, you got it coming to you, man. You better run. That's not the will of God. Look at this story, the prodigal son. The dad was standing right there the whole time saying, son, just come home, all right? We'll sort all that out later. Just get back to the family. And that's what God the Father wants from us. God is such a good father. He has high standards and expectations for us. Any good dad does. I set high standards for my kids, you know. I'm not like, well, I just hope you guys, you know, I don't know, show up. Uh, get out of bed, but, you know, sometime before 2 o'clock today. And, uh, you know, I mean, listen, I've got better expectations than that for them. But I still love them. And God, he has high expectations for you because he knows that on the inside you can do this. But he's the dad that you can run to when you've screwed up. You don't have to run away from him. And side note for all of us parents in here, that's the type of parents we should be too. Take an example from God. If you want to know how to be a good dad and a good mom, just look at God the Father and how he treats you. Our kids should know that we have standards and boundaries and things that we don't do. We've got rules. But if we're a raging ball of fire every time they mess up, guess what? They're not going to come to you when they've screwed up. You kidding me? They're going to try to hide their mistakes, and they will run to somebody that'll listen to them. But it's usually going to be the wrong person. And so for us parents, this isn't a parenting sermon, but I'm just encouraging us, when our kids mess up, yes, hold them to a high standard, yes, there's consequences sometimes, but if you go nuclear on them, 
Don't expect them to come to you. You're the last person they'll come to. They'll try to hide everything possible from you. And it's going to drive a wedge between you and them. And then that's just a nasty thing. And so, amen, God is the ultimate example of what a good parent is. And that brings us to number three today, and that's this. Number three, lessons from the prodigal son. You can't earn God's love. You can't earn God's love. And so, you know, again, just speaking for my experience here. I love my kids simply because they're my kids. (laughs) I don't know. I was just thinking about this. And I mean, I love them uh, so much. I loved them before they were ever even born. When we found out, you know, each time that that we're going to have a baby, like I just fell in love with the child before I ever even saw them. I was so happy and so excited and I love them just simply because they're my kids. You know, I didn't draw up some sort of a contract with a list of demands that I had of them and I had it waiting in the delivery room and okay, as soon as this guy comes out, he's going to need to read this right here, okay? Listen, dude, if you do this, 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 and this, and this, then I, on my part, uh, promise to provide you fatherly love for 18 years as long as you meet this list of demands. Does it sound like a deal? Are we on the same page here? That would be stupid. That would be insane. Only a psycho would do something like that, right? You love your kids because they're your kids, right? And so God the Father loves you whether you deserve it or not. Because guess what? None of us deserve his love. Come on, it should get a little bit. Listen to me. Do you really think that you've been so perfect that you deserve and have earned a spot in heaven? No, nobody has. Not me, not anybody. There is only one perfect person to ever grace planet Earth. And guess what? We killed him. (laughs) Murdered the guy. Jesus Christ. The only perfect one. He comes down here and we kill the man. Why? Because we live in a world full of very imperfect people. God loves us no matter what. That doesn't mean he approves of what we're doing, but he still loves us. And when my kids do wrong, I have been disappointed. I have been upset. Uh, I, I, you know, I, there's been things that have upset me with my kids. And, and, but I, there's never been a point in time that I've said, you know what? That's the last time I told you to load that dishwasher. You are no longer my son. Like, wouldn't that be pretty stupid to just disown your kid because they did something wrong? That would be horrible. God doesn't do that to us. Now, there's times where he may have to get real with you. Maybe some of you today, God is getting real with you through the word of God. The father is having a little chat with you today. That's not me. That's God talking to you, not me. But listen, that doesn't mean he doesn't love you anymore. It just means he's saying, all right, hey, we're going to fix this today. We're going to do something about this now, okay? But that doesn't mean that he doesn't love us anymore. We don't have to earn his love. Now, I know that people who didn't have a good relationship with their parents, uh, specifically their fathers, they seem to struggle even more with receiving this truth from God's word. Um, you know, that's just something that I've seen over the years. 
but listen, no matter what your parents were like here on earth, whether you had excellent parents or maybe they weren't the best parents in the world, listen to me. God is a good father. He is rich in love. He is slow to get angry. And so don't be one of those people that think that you have to earn his love. There's an evangelist that I like. I watch him on YouTube. His name's Ray Comfort. But he goes out and he interviews people on the streets all the time. And he'll ask people this. He'll ask them, hey, how do you get to heaven? And most people answer, well, just try to be the best person you can be and not hurt other people. And, you know, that's what, we're, that's what we can hope for. That's the wrong answer. You don't get to heaven by just simply being really, really good. Because guess what? No matter how good you've been, it will never be good enough to earn salvation. Now, we know this, that when we receive Jesus in our heart, that does motivate us to do good things. Uh, in the book of James, he says, you know, uh, faith without good works is dead. And, 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 and so we know that as a child of God, I want to do good things for God, but it's because I love him so much. It's not because I'm trying to get him to love me. Do you understand that today? And so, listen, we don't have to earn the love of God. And one thing, I mentioned this in my sermon on Wednesday night, but one thing that I've just kind of seen throughout time is this, is that whenever, every, every Sunday, okay, we give you a chance to receive Jesus. Every, every week we do this, and we see a lot of people give their lives to the Lord. That's why we're baptizing 30-something people today, because these are people that gave their lives to Jesus, and they're ready to make a stand for it. And I, and I love that. That's what we're doing. It's beautiful. But here's one thing that I found out, okay? It's this, is that people that have generally lived a pretty moral life, they have a very hard time sometimes coming to this place of repentance and admitting that they need to receive Jesus. Why? Because they're like, I've never robbed anybody. I've never stolen anything. I've never done this or that. I mean, I'm good. Yet we see people all the time in church here and, uh, you know, wherever that have, they've, they've, they've knowingly and admittedly done some pretty bad things throughout time. You know, they've, you know, they've, whatever, I'm not going to list sins, but you know what I mean. They've done some bad things, right? And these people, they come in to church and they're like, you know what? I need Jesus and I know it. And I'm going to call on the name of the Lord and give my life to Jesus. They know they've done wrong. And I kind of like that because there's no fight there. They're saying, I know I need Jesus. I'm not good enough. And yet you have people every week come in and they're like, I'm, I'm good, man. I mean, I, I get it. Like, I've never, I, I've never come to this place of repentance, but what do I need to repent of? I haven't done that bad in life. Listen, you know what we call that? Self-righteous. You think that you're so good that you deserve to go to heaven because you've earned your spot. Well, guess what? None of us have. I want to show you a verse here. And um, let me see, where am I going? <laughs> Cut me some slack. I'm still getting used. Isaiah 64, verse 6. We'll backtrack. I want you to say Isaiah 64, verse 6. Isaiah 64 and verse 6. Now, 
this kind of answers this question right here. Isaiah 64 and verse 6. We're talking about people that think they don't really need to call on the name of the Lord because, well, I've never robbed anybody. I've never done anything wrong. Isaiah 64 and verse 6, it says, We are all infected and impure with sin. Does that mean me? Yep. Does that mean you? Oh, yep. All right, what, what next? When we display our righteous deeds, they're nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. And so what does that mean? It means everybody has been a sinner. Everybody that's ever been born into this world has sinned. And some people think, yeah, but I've done really good. Okay, show up and stand before God on Judgment Day and show him your certificates for all the good things you've done. What's he going to say? He's like, like a filthy rag, man. Where'd you get that off the garage floor? Huh? No, it's not good enough. The book of Revelation, on the other hand, says that when we're born again, we get robes of righteousness. Robes of righteousness. So my own good deeds, apart from Jesus, it's a bunch of filthy rags. When I receive Jesus, even if I haven't lived the perfect life, I have a robe of righteousness. And some people don't ever understand this. Look at Luke 15. Now we're going to backtrack to where I was supposed to go before I went here. Luke chapter 15, and we're going to look at verse 28. Luke 15, verse 28. And so this right here is the story of the big brother. Was anybody wondering about the big brother that never ran away and did bad? Okay, just act like you were. Help me out here. Was anybody wondering about the big brother? Yeah, well, that's, well we're going to cover that. Don't worry. So Luke chapter 15 and uh, verse 28. And so here we are in the story. They're all celebrating. They're roasting the fattened calf. They're having a great time. And, and here's what the older brother has to say. Verse 28, the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. So I just want to stop the sermon and make a note. These people aren't leaving because I've offended them. They're getting baptized. So just ignore them. I have probably somewhere along the way said something improper and offensive today, but that's not why they're leaving. They're going to get baptized. They got to go change. All right. So, all right. We good? Back to the sermon. All right. Verse 28, the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never even gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours, ooh, did you hear that? He didn't say when my brother, he said, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf? His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me. Everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother, not this son of mine, your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Amen. And so, did the dad love both of these sons the exact same? I don't see any favoritism here. 
He didn't love the runaway boy any more than he did the older brother, and he wasn't doing anything for the younger son that he would not have done for the older brother in the same circumstance. But listen to me. The older brother's problem was that he thought he had earned the dad's love. And so the dad's saying this to him, thank you for being such a good son, but I love you anyway. You didn't have to earn my love. You've been a good son. You've done what I said, but I love you and I love your brother just the same. And do you know that to the person that's been in this church for 40 or 50 years and has served and, and, and been here and tithed and everything else, God loves that person the exact same that he loves the person that just came in for the first time today and has never, ever even received Jesus. He loves us the same. He loves us the same. And now listen, the person that's living for God, yes, they've opened the door for more blessings. Okay, yeah, sure, because with obedience comes some great blessings from God. But that doesn't mean that God has favorites. In fact, several times in Scripture, it says God has no favorites. God is no respecter of persons. God doesn't love me any more than he loves anybody else. Should that make me mad? Should I say, here I am, I've been preaching and serving and all the blah, 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 and this guy just comes in, he's never done any of that, and yet you're going to love him the same as me? That's not fair. What's God going to say? What's he going to say? <laughs> you little brat? <laughs> no, 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 no. He's going to say, hey, 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 I appreciate the things you've done, but I love you just the same. And this other son said, hey, I stayed here. You never even kill, killed a goat for me and my friends. He gets a cow. And I'm going to tell you, cow meat is better than goat meat, all right? There's no, no denying that, okay? No denying that. We're not, we're, not, we're not debating that fact today. But listen, listen. God loves all of us, amen? And we don't have to earn that love. And so no matter where we are in here, God doesn't owe you salvation. No, you don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. He doesn't owe me that. But praise God, by his grace, he has freely given me the gift of eternal life. Amen. And then the last thing we're going to say today is this. Number four, number four, God is forgiving and he is merciful. God is forgiving and God is merciful. And I really pray that everything we've discussed today is either reaching you directly, and this is for you, or maybe there's somebody in your life that's been a prodigal. They've been a lost sheep, and I pray that this will change your heart for them, because sometimes I know that it can be difficult when somebody that you've loved or whatnot has just kind of wandered off. It's easy to be, oh man, I can't believe it. What, whatever, man, they're a, they're a lost cause. Don't say that. Don't say that. Listen, God is forgiving and God is merciful. And so I want you to look at, at this last passage, Luke 15, all right? It's where we've been all day. But we're going to go to the story that Jesus told right before the prodigal son. This is the parable of the lost sheep, Luke 15. And we're going to look here at verses 4 through 7. Luke chapter 15 and verses 4 through 7. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep 
and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he finds it, when he is found, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Hallelujah. And when we look at this story, the shepherd didn't chase that lost sheep down so he could scold him and reprimand him and, and, and you know discipline him and punish him. No, he took this lost sheep put him on his shoulders and carried him home and said, let's rejoice. I have found the one that wandered away. And this is a beautiful, beautiful story to me because every person in this room, more than likely, has at one point been that lost sheep. Have you been that lost sheep at one point or another? Or you've just always been so perfect? Listen, We've all wandered, amen. In fact, it says like sheep, we've all gone astray. But thank God that, that Jesus didn't just leave us and let us go. No, he went searching and he found us and he brought us home because he loved us. And someone could have said, why chase that one's worth? You got 99 other good ones. Forget the bad one. Who cares? No. That's not the attitude that he has. He's like, I, I thank God that I've got the 99. I love them just as much, but I love this lost one just as much too. And the family isn't complete until I get him home. Think about that. What if you've got you know, a bunch of kids like the majority of people in this church do? They go and raid around here, it's four to six kids, and uh, you know, whatever. It's just what we do. We have lots of, as many adults as you see in this room, there's nearly an equal amount of children over there, if you can believe that or not. There's tons of kids at this church. But, you know, amen, and we love that. It's good. It's a good thing. But here's the deal. You know, I've got, we got six in the home now. And so as we sit down to dinner, it just wouldn't be complete if I only had five of them in there. I'd be like, you know, I'm, I love you all, but someone's missing. And let's not eat until we go find that one, right? I mean, let's, uh, I love y'all. Y'all are great. Uh, you know, not, not taking anything away from you, but let's go get the lost one. Amen. I want her here. I want him to be with the family. Something's missing. And that's why all year long so far, eight solid weeks, we've been preaching our voice out every Sunday saying, the harvest is great. And you could say, yeah, that's nice. I'm good. I've got a chair in the church. I've got a warm meal when I get home today. I'm good. What I got to worry about? That's a selfish attitude to have, knowing that there's other people out there that they can't say the same thing. Who in here knows somebody that they aren't where they need to be with the Lord right now? It's not you judging them. Jesus said you can judge a tree by its fruit. And so if somebody has the fruit in their life, but they're not a Christian, well, chances are, hey, they may not be a Christian. Either way, they need Jesus. Amen. And I can't rest and say, you know what? I get it. There's a whole city out there that's screwed up and broken and, you know, lost and dying. But we got a few hundred of us in here that we're good. We aren't lost. We've been found. 
we're good boys and girls. We're the good sheep. So whatever happens to them happens to them. I've got a spot. I'm good. I can't live like that because I know there's people that are meant to be a part of this family. And we just got to go find them. Amen. They may not even know they're lost, but let's get them. Amen. And bring them in to the family of God. I want to share one final story today. I heard this story, uh, Reverend D.L. Moody, if you know who he is, a long time ago shared this story, but he said, uh, Dr. Andrews told me how in the highlands of Scotland, a sheep would often wander off into the rocks and get into places that they couldn't get out of. They'd get themselves into a place that they couldn't get out of on their own. The grass on these mountains is very sweet and the sheep like it, and they will often jump down 10 or 12 feet. And then they can't jump back again. So the shepherd hears them crying in distress. That sheep may be there for days until they've eaten all the grass on the side of the cliff there. The shepherd will wait until they are so faint that they cannot stand. And then they will put a rope around him and the shepherd will go over and pull that sheep out of the jaws of death. Well, why don't they go down there when the sheep first gets there? D.L. Moody asked the, the shepherd. And well, the shepherd said, they're so foolish that they would run right over the edge of the cliff and be killed if the shepherd just chases them right away. And that's the way it is with people sometimes. If you are a wanderer, I tell you that the good shepherd will bring you back the moment you have given up trying to save yourself and are willing to let him save you his way. Amen. And so sometimes there's a lost sheep and they're acting foolish and, and crazy and, and they're just wearing themselves out trying to listen. The good shepherd, he's going to get you. He's going to get you. But you've got to quit trying to save yourself. You've got to let him do it his way. And so as we wind things down here this morning, I want to tell you this, that no doubt about it, we have people here that have maybe been that lost sheep. All of us have at one point or another, because all of us as sheep have gone astray at some point. But I'm telling you today that Jesus is calling you home today. He's calling you home. In Revelation 3.20, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice, let him open the door and I'll come in. And someone's like, I'll, I'll come to Jesus, you know, when I get around to it. And, and you know, I'll, I'll get there. I just want to do this first. Listen to me. You don't come to God on your terms. You come to him on his terms. Do you understand that today? And so I hear people talking like, yeah, man, I get it. Me and God, we've got our own agreement. I know y'all say this, the Bible says that, but we kind of worked out our own thing. He gets me, I get him. I'm like, shut up. You have so much pride that it's disgusting that you think that you're the one exception that the rest of us had to get to God the Father through Jesus the Son, but you don't have to because you were able to work out your own deal and negotiate your own way to heaven. That's a lie, and that's pride, and that's self-righteousness. Usually people, when we use the phrase self-righteous, you think of some old lady in church that's judging everybody, and there could be that, but I know a lot of self-righteous people that don't even go to church. 
They just think that they're good enough that they don't need all this and they don't need to do it you know, this way. You're counting on your own righteousness and I swear it ain't good enough. There's only one way and that's to receive Jesus and let him wash your sins. Let him pay the price, amen. Can we stand up together today? Let's go ahead and stand up. I know we got a lot of people that wanna get baptized here and I, I do wanna do that. But the biggest thing that we could offer today is this, listen to me. Everybody gets to heaven. And if you're going to heaven, there's only one way there and that's through Jesus. And again, maybe you're here and you've lived a reasonably good life and you've never, you've never cheated nobody, you've never stolen, you've never hit no one. That's really good news. You've probably avoided jail, that's wonderful. But guess what? That's not enough to get us into heaven. We have to call on the name of the Lord. Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so the very best thing I could do for you today is this, is to give you this chance. And you're saying, I'll get around to it someday. Don't, don't risk it, man. Do not risk it. We don't know what tomorrow holds. I have no idea. I don't know what's gonna happen five minutes from now, let alone five hours from now. This is the number one best chance you'll ever have. So I'm gonna lead us in a prayer today. And I highly encourage you to pray this with us and mean it with your heart. Let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes. Let's say this together. Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died and that he rose again. Jesus, forgive me for anything wrong I've done. Give me the strength to live for you. My life is yours. I'm coming home, Dad. In Jesus' name, amen. Could you do me a favor for just a minute this morning, for just another minute, if you could keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, we're gonna do this. Sometimes we do this as a, one of two ways here, but if you're here today, all right, and you could say that, you know what? I've been that lost sheep. I'm the one that wandered off. Maybe you've never really received Jesus into your life, or maybe you did at one point, but you wandered off. Listen, Jesus just jumped down the edge of the cliff to pull you back up. If you're here and this is your day to return to the Father, I'd like for you to raise your hand real quick. And we wanna praise the Lord with you, amen. And let me also encourage you, don't let your pride keep you out of heaven. If you're here and you're saying, I would like to do that, but I just don't want anybody to see, listen to me, that's dangerous and that's pride. And that's gonna, that could be costly, amen. Anybody else? We see some here today. Is there anybody else that could say, I admit it, this is my day, amen. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord some praise together today. Amen. All right, listen, this is Jose right here. And if you're here today and you have returned to the Lord, or maybe you've just came to him for the first time, we have a program called Spiritual Personal Trainer, where we would connect you with somebody else from the church here for the next 30 days. They'll, they'll text you some Bible verses and prayers and a devotion every day. They will mentor you for 30 straight days. Can you imagine this? You know, in this world, people, you know, will be like, hey, you need a life coach. Well, here's a free one that's gonna teach you the Bible for 30 days. And so if you're interested in that, please come see Jose. He'll get your name and number. 
and then we'll connect you with somebody else. Can I get my prayer team to come up this morning, our prayer team? Hey, if you're here and you need prayer for anything at all, maybe your family, your job, your health, whatever it is, if you need prayer, we've got a great team of people up here today that know the Lord and love the Lord, and uh, they'd love to pray with you this morning. And so Pastor Josh is going to lead us in worship for just a few minutes. If you're here and you need prayer, come on up to the prayer team. If you want an SPT, go see Jose. Pastor Josh is going to lead us in worship. And in about five minutes after prayer's done, we're going to baptize, okay? So stay put. Don't go taking off. Stick around, and, uh, and let's celebrate baptisms in just a few minutes. Amen? All right, here we go. Pastor Josh is going to lead us in some worship. Amen.
here's how we do this, family, because we really want to celebrate with them. So if you are here for Mr. and Mrs. Mumford, you are welcome to come up on the platform. There's a ramp on this side, or you're welcome to come up the steps. Please watch the cords when you go around, but that way you can get pictures. And the rest of y'all family, when we get to your person, we'll announce them too. And then you can come up. All right. Can everybody hear us okay? All right. Very good. So first up this morning, we have Nadine Mumford. So come on in, Nadine. Yeah. All right. Hallelujah. Well, we'll be doing, this is Nadine. We'll be doing her husband, Joe, next. And we've known them for probably 16 years, I think. They are very wonderful sons and daughters in the faith. They're not only church members, but they're our personal friends. We love them. I'm glad to get to be a part of this uh, ceremony. This is the, this is the, they've never been baptized before. This is the first time for them, not a repeat. So it's really going to be good. And I know that they've got their faith in something special in this. Maybe step over here a little bit. Okay. Now, I want to ask you, Nadine, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior? Yes, I have. I know you have. Amen. Upon your confession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, by His authority, I baptize you in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Next up, we have Joe Mumford. <laughs> Amen, Joe. years of good church members and everything like that. Matter of fact, on my phone when it rings, it says, Joe, my favorite tow truck driver. So he, he, he's been in that business for years and years and years, but they're just wonderful Christians, great people. I'm glad to be a part of this today. Uh, Joe, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior? Yes. All right, upon your confession, I'm going to confess to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and by his authority, I baptize in the name of the Father and the Son. Holy Ghost. All right. Now, uh, my dad's going to step out, and Robert's going to help me with the rest of the people here. So, all right. Yeah, we're bringing in the reserve unit here. All right. Very good. Amen. Jake Fernandez. So the Fernandez family can come on up. All right. All right. We go. We'll let your mom get up here. Very good. All right. So this is Jake, everybody. All right, Jake, how old are you? 13. 13 years old, getting baptized. This is awesome. Amen. 
All right. Well, Jake, we're going to ask you a couple questions here. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Okay, hold your nose. And upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. (laughs) All right. And next up, we've got his brother, Leland. All right. Come on in, buddy. Very good. All right, man. So how old are you? 99. Oh, he's nine. He's not Okay. Not eight. He's nine. Okay. Very good. So have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Okay. Hold your nose. Upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And next up we have Dad coming in. JT, everybody, yeah. Amen, love this guy, proud of him. Amen, JT, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Okay, step Step way up here. Then upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Yeah. All right. Next up, we're going to do another family here. We've got Jeremiah. Jeremiah Wilson. So Wilson and Wooten family, you can come on up. All right. This is Jeremiah. Amen. He's he's at our house a lot. He's one of Joel's best friends. (laughs) Jeremiah, how old are you? 14. 14 years old. All right. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Yes. Okay, step up here. Step Just hold your nose. All right. Then upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. All right. Next we got his brother, Mustafa. Come on in, brother. All right. I love seeing whole families get baptized. It's beautiful. Amen. All right. Mustafa, how old are you? 16. 16. All right. Beautiful. Have you received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Okay. Step way up here. Step back. Okay. Hold your nose. Then upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Next we have Elijah, or TK as most of us call him. <laughs> All right. How old are you, Elijah? 17. 17. Absolutely. That's awesome. So have you received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Okay, step up here. Hold your nose. Upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Very good. Next up, we have mom coming in, Ebony. All right. She's got three awesome young men on her hands here. Very good. Wonderful. All right. right. Ebony, have you received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? 
Yes, I have. Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Yes. Okay, I'm going to have you step way up here. Okay? Hold your nose. Hold your nose. Upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. we've got my buddy brian come on in brian and his mom beth will be after that all right brian hey bud all right look at this guy look at this handsome young man (laughs) all right brian how old are you seven all right very good wonderful hey have you received jesus as your lord and savior do you believe that he's god's son and that he died and rose again okay hold your nose upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. All right. That was a right one. All right. Next, we have Beth coming in. All right. Beth Justice, Tim's wife, and Brian's mom. Yeah. All right. Very good. Warm, huh? The water's very warm, if you're wondering. It feels great. It's like jacuzzi. Yeah, it is. Beth, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes, I have. Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Yes, I do. Okay, step way up here. Okay, hold your, nose. hold your nose. Upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Next is Michael Cordova. Michael Cordova coming on in. Let his family get up here. Amen. Poor moon. <laughs> oh, that sounds right, Michael. We'll let your family get up here. Amen. That won't happen again. Amen. Yes. Awesome. Very good. Well, Michael, have you received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Amen. Step way up here. Okay. Hold your nose. Hold your nose. Upon the confession of your faith, in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. All right. Next we have Connie. Let's hear it for Connie, everybody. Yeah. Very good. One of the best tamale makers in all of our show. Everybody loves it. Okay. Amen. Well, Connie, we'll let, you, oh, we'll let your family get up here real quick. Hallelujah. Amen. So, Connie, have you received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Yes. Okay, step way up here. Well, we'll let your family get up. Okay. <laughs> All right. Then upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. All right. All right. Next we have Marissa. Marissa, we'll let her family come on down. All right. Very good. All right, this is Marissa, everybody. We're excited for her today. Hallelujah. Amen. So, Marissa, 
Have you received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Okay. Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? I do. Amen. Step forward right here. And upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you. Got it? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Next, we have Tina. Tina's coming in next. So, family and friends want to get up here for Tina. All right. Here we go. Amen. All right. Tina, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes, I have. Do you believe that He's God's Son and that He died and rose again? Yes, I do. Step right up here. And upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. All right. <laughs> Amen. All right. Next we got Nisa. All right. So Nisa's friends, family, come on in. Just watch your step. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is definitely like a sauna. It is. <laughs> I was dreading that. <laughs> no, yeah, not today. All right, very good. So, Nisa, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Yes. Amen. Amen. Have you step forward here? Hold your nose. There you go. Okay, now, upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Jonathan is up next. Jonathan, all right. We'll let, let the family get up here for him. All right, Jonathan. Yeah, I know. I was too. <laughs> Amen. Well, we're excited for Jonathan here. How old are you, buddy? What grade are you in? Fourth grade. Let's hear it for fourth grade, guys. Come on. This guy making a big decision today. Amen. We'll let his family get up here. And we're proud of you for making this choice to receive Jesus, all right? So we're going to ask you a couple of questions, Jonathan. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Okay, hold your nose. And upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. All right. <laughs> Okay, everybody. Well, that's all of them for this morning. We'll be doing more baptisms tonight at the 6 p.m. service. So thank you, church family, for sticking around and celebrating with these guys. One of our favorite things. Okay. Okay, and so I'm going to let Pastor Katie close the service out. The nursery and Jam Junior kids are still upstairs and get picked up there, all right? Thank you, everybody. See you tonight. Yay! Isn't that so much fun? Hey, Jam Kids, thank you for being so good and for celebrating when people ask Jesus into their life. That's awesome what you guys just did. Okay, we're going to pray together. Ready? Father, thank you so much for all these new family members who are standing for you. 
Lord, I just ask as we go about our day today that we can just celebrate with them and just be overjoyed for all that they've chosen in life. Thank you for your love and your kindness towards us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, Jam kids, are you ready for the Barstow Faith Confession? Yeah? Y'all want to do it with me? Okay, if you want to do it with me, come on. Come on. You want to come with me? Okay, are you ready? We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prosperous.